0: Well, it has been an excellent morning so far, if you like soccer and you support England. But on the markets, well, it's all been moving a bit sideways today. We'll look at the reasons for that. Plus, we'll read between the lines on what Christine Lagarde has been saying with her green plans for Europe, the growth or otherwise of the Chinese economy, house price concerns in the US, plus confidence is all around us in the US, in the EU and amongst England football supporters. But one of those could be quickly demolished, of course. It's Wednesday, the 30th of June, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, small moves in equities this morning. In the US, all three indices are up, but not more than 0.2%. In Europe, the Euro stocks 50 is up 0.4%. We've got small movements in bonds, 10 year treasuries in the States up just one basis point. We've got small movements up across Europe as well. Uh, the big moves uh, has actually been the five point fall in uh, yields in Aussie 10 years and, and six basis points down in New Zealand. Oil is down a little as well, but no big moves there. The US dollar climbing a little up 0.2% on the DXY, and a bad day for the Aussie dollar, uh, down three quarters. Of one percent, the Canadian dollar is also down half a percent, and for Sterling, well, you know it it depends which Sterling you're talking about because the currency is down a quarter percent. But Raheem Sterling is on a high after scoring the first goal of two against Germany for England this morning. After 55 years, you can see why the English might be a bit emotional this morning because. well, it's bloody brilliant, isn't it? But I'll, I'll try and concentrate. Rodrigo Catrill, his senior FX strategist <laughs> in Sydney. Uh, you, uh, I've ruined it all for you because you haven't seen the game. Um, and yes, I've for I was looking for forward to that. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I do feel slightly guilty. But anyway, now look, um, people of course have been, uh, Too busy celebrating in the UK to look at the daily COVID-19 infection numbers there, which are, again, very high, 20,479 in a day. In the last seven days, they've risen almost 73%. So, again, uh, we've got sort of the markets being pulled in two directions, haven't we, really? Because we are seeing numbers going up in various parts of the world. So we've got this rising concern about infection numbers, forcing the market sideways a bit. But balanced against that, uh, over the last 24 hours, positive consumer confidence numbers, particularly in the US and Europe?
1: Yes, morning, Phil. It's, uh, the data really has been quite quite solid. And, and as you say, the, this consumer sentiment, uh, both in Europe and, and in the US, have been very, very strong, um, which, again, uh, points to the idea that the, the reopening and the, the vaccine-induced reopening is is helping the economy. Uh, yet, at the same time, there's, there's growing concerns around the impact uh, that the Delta variant will have in this in this recovery, and particularly for those countries where yep. vaccination rates are very low. So, and of, and of course, Australia and New Zealand form yeah. part of that. So do
0: you think that's what, what's pulling the... Because we've got the, the, the Aussie dollar, the Kiwi dollar, but also the Canadian dollar. So it's it's not just that, is it? Because uh, Canadian vaccinations are actually quite high, but these are commodity currencies, which seems to be taking a hit, even uh, though uh, equities, commodity equities are not, and commodity prices are generally rising. That's
1: right. So from a fundamental basis, you think about these growth sensitive currencies and you think okay cool so let's have a look at risk sentiment risk sentiment is done okay you know Europe and the US are close to if not making new record highs and then you look at commodities and the, the commodity space actually had a good day uh with metals and lead and aluminum leading the charge if you like and, and copper little change uh, as well as gold so um overall there's a good positive picture Did, you know that the idea that the global recovery is, is doing okay and with sentiments doing okay with the data also supporting that uh, Yes, uh, the commodity link currencies have underperformed against that backdrop which you know one explanation will be this issue around the concerns of of the delta variant but um um, I think you're quite right to point out that Canada is actually doing really well in terms of those vaccination rates. And in fact, they they the government expects to reach around seventy-five percent by July, which is really quite a quite an, a, an impressive number. Um yet when you look at sort of the the rates differentials, which also matter for currencies, we saw the the the, the Aussie governments cap lower the open uh, yesterday, and yet the currency didn't actually react to that. Um, and the, the decline of the Aussie dollar has really been uh, from the overnight session or late yesterday, which is actually not consistent with the movements in in rates uh, uh, spreads as well. So the other thing to note as well is that of course today is month end. And the month end sometimes brings along a lot of sort of flows that don't seem consistent with sort of the narrative. Um, but even then, when you think about the, the month end rebalancing impacts, it's been a very good month and quarter for U um, S equities. And uh, when it's been a good month for U S equities, you need to see that rebalancing and therefore you typically sell U S dollars and buy other currencies because of it. Um, so again, <laughs> Uh, even the, even the month end sort of flows don't quite explain uh, what is going on with with the Aussie. So for now, we we keep on saying that from a fundamental basis the Aussie dollar should be higher. Uh, but of course, all this uncertainty, uh, which we hope will go away uh, from the because of the vaccine rollouts. Um, Will eventually
0: uh, make fundamentals reassert themselves. So, going back to the 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 conference board number, just very briefly, because there are a few interesting things in there. First of all, just the size of it, because the revised number uh, they've revised the number, I should say, from May up to 120, and then up to 127.3 for this one. Uh, but also the uh the one-year consumer inflation expectations rose as well six point seven percent now yes
1: so i suppose the 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 interesting part of, of one of the things to note is that the the level of the confidence board uh index is now back to those pre-pandemic levels averages so one twenty seven mm. one thirty. Uh, and as you say, the sort of the near-term inflation expectation have recent, which is kind of consistent with what we've seen with the data as well. Uh, and I suppose the other one is is in terms of the perception of the labour market, uh, and the net job plentiful yes. index jumped again in June. Uh, around six and a half points to 43 and a half So, which is the
0: highest it's been? Highest it's been since two thousand, and that was a big leap as well, wasn't it? So that presumably augurs pretty well for non farm payrolls on Friday, doesn't it?
1: Yes, um, although the, the the relationship tends to be with a slight lag, but uh, but certainly it, it it gives you the idea that at least the consumer feels and thinks there's lots of jobs out there. Um, whether those will be filled uh, um, or whether they actually want the job as well is not quite what the question is asking. But certainly there's a perception by the consumer that there's plenty of jobs out there.
0: And Europe as well. Uh, confidence looking good there. The economic confidence read there is the highest it, it's been in 21 years. Uh, we had the uh, EU president Ursula von der Leyen speaking at the uh, the Brussels Economic Forum uh, overnight saying that now 41% of adults in Europe Are fully vaccinated. And of course, you know, against all of that, we're also getting this news uh, that vaccines, all sorts of vaccines now are being shown to be effective against the Delta and, and other variants. So perhaps not surprising that things are looking up in Europe.
1: Uh, yes, um, and I suppose that there's a little bit of concern around that because, of course, it's summertime in Europe and we've seen many countries uh, put restrictions for, for travel and, you know, the southern southern yeah. uh, countries in Europe. Mm. Um, you know, the summer is very important for, yeah. for the holidays and for the commerce and, and, and trade.
0: And, and it might be too late because getting vaccines and vaccine passports, the timing may be, it may be late summer. We'll see how that goes. But what about uh, what Christine Lagarde was saying today? She was talking about uh, how how the invisible hand isn't going to do it when it comes to uh, saving the planet uh that and you know that the, the uh, ecb might need to get involved in all of this uh with with ecb money so what what was your take on what she said today well to
1: be honest i'm still trying to to really you know absorb everything that she said but it's super interesting because um i suppose the, the one point that we really need to emphasize is that there's a lot of talk about infrastructure spending from the you know biden presidency but you know, Europe is well ahead in terms of the commitment to, to the green and digitization of Europe uh, and green green investments. And of course, we know the European Fund, the Recovery Fund, is, is by and large focused on that. But now, what the ECB is saying is that the ECB wants to invest 330 billion every year by 2030 to achieve Europe's climate and energy target. And then also wants to spend another 125 billion every year. To carry out the digital transformation.
0: So, and this is support from the bank. This isn't, ex- this isn't asking for the various governments to up their, their their fiscal support. This is this is from the bank. Yes.
1: So the ECB says the ECB wants to match the recovery fund with the Green Capital Markets Union that will transcend mm. national borders. So again, wow. the importance there is 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 relevant not only in terms of the spending mm. but also of the unification, if you like. Yes. Uh, of
0: Europe, own- uh, It really is moving, isn't it, towards a, uh, a fiscal as well as monetary union. So uh, good luck with that. We'll see how that develops. Look, uh, one story that's in the newspapers this morning, the Wall Street Journal is leading with it, in fact, is uh, house prices in the US. The CoreLogic k caseula National House Price Index rose 14.6% in April, which is the best annual growth uh, since the index began in 1986. And we're seeing this uh, in many parts of the world, aren't we? Rising house prices. But nobody seems to know what to do about it. Or indeed, whether it's a concern or not
1: well that, that is the that is exactly the the narrative i mean to some extent it is sort of the policy intent to 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 lift house prices and, and financial assets for that matter um and then the question is whether um you know for one is it um is it having that the, the sort of positive effect? And then, of course, in the, the RBA, for instance, highlights the distinction that for one, it's not for them to decide uh, the impact on house prices, but rather the, the issue can have on, on the stability of the economy. And from that perspective, um, unlike what we've seen in New Zealand, here in Australia, house prices have so far been driven by owner-occupier rather than the investor side or the speculative side. Mm. And and therefore, at the moment, the RBA is saying, well, uh, it's sort of having the desired effect and there's no no major concerns, but they're looking at it very closely.
0: No major concerns as long as you've already got a house, but if you're one of the young kids who's uh, had it tough because of uh, COVID, perhaps lost a job and you're trying to get onto the ladder, uh, then they might see it slightly differently, mightn't they? Look, it's going to be another quiet day, isn't it, today, ahead of uh, payrolls uh, on Friday, although the ADP, private payroll numbers, they're out today in the US, so uh maybe worth a look at that, although they're not always a great predictor of uh, what we're going to see coming out on Friday, are they? They're not.
1: Uh, but uh, the interesting thing is that there's, there's a lot of chatter around how strong these payroll numbers will be given that Many people will be going back into the labor force as as many of the states have reduced those payouts uh, or rather cash handouts, um and therefore there's an incentive for them to to start looking for work. uh But saying that, you know, the the ADP number expectations is only 550, whereas, whereas the uh, payroll's expectations are 700, and the, the sort of the the real number is that it's close to a million. So. Uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, if ADP this disappoints, it might, might curve some of those uh, expectations for mm. Friday. So it will still be relevant, despite the fact that ADP is not as reliable, as you say, predictor for, for non-fund payrolls. The market is still sensitive too, right. to the number. Um So certainly, it's yeah, something to today. look out for. Um, and and of course during the day we we have China's PMI, which will also be of very much. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay. is
0: there is there concern that things are sliding down, slowing down a little bit? I mean, we've seen a slide in demand for steel, haven't we? And uh we, you know, we've seen a, a slowing in, in in credit as well. Uh Could it be that the economy in in China has has perhaps peaked a little bit early out of the, all of this?
1: Well, there's certainly the you know the the data over recent months suggest that not only it's consistent with the idea that China got out of the, the pandemic very quickly and very strongly, and now there's you know the reduction of of credits that is being introduced this year is certainly having an effect, and we've seen the slowdown in activity. Uh, it's still, you know, growing, but not quite growing at that sort of huge pace that we saw at the beginning of the year. So, um, which is something that is what the, the officials want uh, in in terms of the Chinese economy. So, it is the desired outcome. But now we get into the point of like saying, well, okay, you're slowing down to a sustainable level. Now the concern is that further slowdown from here. Uh, will actually you know make it make it detrimental from here. So it's something that um many, many are sort of looking at very closely and, and the expectations that maybe um, now we're gonna see an an end of the slowdown, but certainly that's where policy may may have to play a role in order to make sure That we see the the Chinese economy performing at a sustainable but decent pace over the coming months and years. All
0: right, very quickly, because I've got to go and celebrate. Uh, Australia gets private sector credit data for May. Japan releases uh, preliminary May industrial production numbers as well, plus the UK's final GDP read for Q1 and the flash CPI read for June for the euro area. Any of those going to be influential in the markets today? Well, I think
1: that the Australian one will be of some interest. The, The private sector credit growth slowed down. uh, in April, which was a little bit of a surprise uh, and business credit in particular also uh, uh, was the big, big sort of draw that it fell 0.3%. So and we are looking for a little bit of rebound there and particularly for for the business credit as well. So that will be interesting to, to keep an eye on and to see what what's mm-hmm. the dynamics are within the private sector credit for Australia.
0: Right, okay, we're going to leave it there for now then. Uh, thanks, Udrigo. We'll catch you again very soon. Thank you. Cheers, Phil. And thanks. that's the morning call for this Wednesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.